and welcome to Australia's Best Beer Conversation. Yes, this is Radio Brews News, and we've made it all the way through to episode number four, uh, being recorded on Tuesday, the 21st of June, 2011. And with me, as always, uh, as my co-host and executive producer, is one of the nicest blokes in beer, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome aboard. You're too good. You're too good. Thank you, Matt. Hello, listeners. How are we all? Don't answer individually. Just I'll just take that as a group. Hello. Actually, I think uh, our listeners could uh, respond individually. We could probably get them on and uh, do a five-minute show uh, with, with each saying hello in turn. Mate, having said you're the nicest bloke in beer, you uh, took a stick to the uh, beehive this week and uh, created a little bit of uh, discussion about contract brewing, kept that one alive. Apparently I did. I um, opened the floodgates on Pandora's can of hornets, worms. And, uh, yeah, no, look, it's good to see that, you know, I mean, we always talk about robust discussion. We talk about, uh, you know, uh, independently looking at the issues from, a, I guess, a, a, an outsider's point of view, an impartial or um, you know, non-partisan sort of point of view. And every now and then, it's good to see that there are issues out there that, uh, that people, A, are interested in. Uh, if nothing else, it proved that people are reading Osbury's News and presumably also listening to Radio Brews News. So that's not a bad thing. Definitely, and you know, it's great that people are passionate about beer. I always come back to it. I guess um, the big thing for me is that we want to inform the, the discussion because you know we've all got our prejudices, and a lot of what we're doing on Radio Brews News is to get answers to some of our own um, you know prejudices. And uh, it, the, the whole contract brewing discussion was a very big um, eye opener for me. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking to a uh, an up-and-coming contract brewer in a few minutes uh, as well in our guest today. So um, that wasn't chosen, but it was certainly uh, you know, points that it's, it, it's not all sinister in the world of contract brewing. No, exactly. No, it's all good. And all, you know, all discussion's good. We even got some, uh, some feedback from uh, across the Dutch as well um, regarding contract brewing, and it's, uh, be, I think we might have teed up uh, perhaps tied in with Beervana, Yep. Uh, coming up in in August to look at the the New Zealand craft scene and how that's uh, markedly different, I think, from from where we're at. Uh, they're certainly not having some of the same conversations that that we're having because uh, it's it's just it's simply not as relevant. Yeah, I've actually just written a, an article um, on my observations on the New Zealand scene for All About Beer magazine, um, which is certainly if if uh, print. You know, Radio Brews News is Australia's leading conversation, uh, beer conversation. But if you like to hold a bit of paper in your hand, I'd certainly highly recommend All About Beer magazine um, as something to read on the train or, you know, if, if you're one of those uh, bathroom readers, um, it's certainly a, a, a great magazine. But uh, yeah, no, I gave some um, observations about uh, the New Zealand scene. I was really impressed um, both with the guys who are doing it and also the way they're going about it. And the tack I took was that, you know, Australia is a small market, New Zealand is even smaller, and you need to sell a lot of beer to pay off stainless steel, and if you can't uh, make, you know, if you don't have 50 million people um, to, to market to, um, contract brewing is a great way to go about it. And, uh, you know, Yeasty Boys, Epic, um, Eight Wide, all contract brands, um, I guess the one thing that you could say is that none of them are actually... Um, you know, calling themselves, uh, you know, Waikikamukau Lager, for example, um, and they're not actually based yeah. in Waikikamukau. But that seems to have been where the contract debate came back back to was uh, location does matter. Um, and if you're not there and you don't have a strong tie with the community, um, 
you know, maybe think about another way of marketing your beer. Yeah, exactly. And probably more important too when your community is smaller yeah. to, be, to be more relevant to them. So anyway, we might move on now. Uh, what else has been happening in the world of beer this week? Uh, now last, I, I do have to apologize listeners, Pete had some real pearls of uh, wisdom last time that I had to cut out because I couldn't get the sound right on my uh, recording. Um, so we pretty much just ran the um, discussion last week with, uh, now who was it with last week, Pete? Um, so many shows uh, we've done, the whole of three. Cam Hunt. Cam Hines from Mountain Goat and uh, Scott Vincent from Matilda Bay Brewery. And just for the listeners, just so you know what you missed, some of my best work ended up on the cutting room floor. So yep. I apologise for that. And uh, yeah, that was solely my fault. But one of the things that we did say was that, that also ended up on the cutting room floor is that we are listening listeners um, and we're getting some great feedback. So people are obviously listening, which is both a surprise and a delight. Um, but some of the feedback that we've been given is that there's a real mixed bag of readers. Um, sometimes the discussions can go a little bit into the technical where we start talking about IBUs or you know, hopping regimes or uh, Ryan Heitzkebot or things like that. And uh, we assume a little bit of knowledge, um, but we've been asked to provide a, you know, a, maybe a, a bit of an explanation when those sorts of terms come up. So we will, uh, we will do that. Um, the other one was to date the shows that, as I've been recorded. So, you know, when we're talking about up and coming events, um, if you're listening to this a week or so after the show's been recorded, um, you know exactly when we're talking about. Um, what other feedback have we got, Pete? Uh, there was a beer writing competition. There was a beer writing competition. Oh, was there any um, beer feed, Sorry, any yeah. show feedback uh, that, that that you got? You got some helpful stuff. Hang on. Sorry, I just. I'll... I, I jumped ahead there. We might have to just edit that bit out. That's okay. Um, and uh, so, Pete, was was there any other feedback? Um, actually, one of the things that I was asked is that, who are you? Um, we might just stick with calling you Pete Mitchum from now on and uh, leave the beer blokes and Prof Pilsner uh, to your professional uh, tasting career. That's it. Those those sort of things will come in handy later on when I need to go on the run and I've um, established some uh, a couple of aliases and some um, papers to support such so yeah i think we'll just yeah uh I, i'll stick as, as pete mitchum because yeah, as somebody pointed out it was uh there was lots of um terrific stuff being said by three different people but it was all actually made we'll keep it simple for them out there in radio land now the other thing that we had to cut out uh was the um beer lovers guide competition beer writing competition uh, beer lovers guide to australia beer writing competition which i believe was the first beer writing competition that's been held in australia and we had uh 16 entrants um doing some really good writing you were a judge pete um a a as was i um what, what were your thoughts about the standard of the entries yeah a, a terrific initiative uh and something that needs to be applauded the beer lovers guide guys um have come along in leaps and bounds and by their own admission they're learning a lot more about the the whole good beer scene um you know the more events they attend and and the more things like this that they support and we can i envisage uh see more of this coming uh in the future more of these sorts of initiatives it was a great a great concept for um unpublished writers uh, be they bloggers or Twitterers or whatever it may be, uh, to put pen to paper, speak about a beer journey, and the winner will was to have their, uh, apart from a nice little cash prize, uh, to have their uh, piece published in the Beer Lovers Guide to Australia 2011 to be released end of August. End of August, that's right. And uh, now, 
we're running some of the runners up on Australian Brews News to get them published. Now, it's, it's a bit funny because the first um, of the runners up was published today, and that's a young man by the name of James Davidson, who regular... I've, I've heard you, you have heard of him. Um, he's a young writer um, who writes for Australian Brews News, a very you know, lovely young bloke and a, a very good writer. Um, now, he, he didn't win. It was one of those questions that comes up, should he be allowed to enter, should he not be allowed? But the, 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 the rules... Um, said that unpublished in print um, and James certainly meets that criteria and I guess I, I would have hated to have seen him penalised from entering um, just because he wrote for Brews News because uh, he was blogging away on his beer bar band um, website and uh, I'd approached him to see if he because I'd really enjoyed his writing asked him whether he wanted to write on Brews News and it seemed uh, you know, it, it would have been a, a shame if having had that offer made to him that he wasn't able to uh, then get a chance to get his um, beer writing in print because one of the reasons we came up with the concept of the, the competition is that there are so few avenues um, to get your um, beer writing published. Websites are, are one thing, but you know the major metropolitan newspapers, it seems that every magazine of, of any description has some guy writing about wine. Um, beer is taken a lot less seriously, so it was a great way to get uh, aspiring beer writers a chance to get published. So, uh, you know, Scribal Publishing, who are behind Beer Lovers Guide, and uh, in the interest of full discussion, full disclosure, uh, I'm doing a little bit of work on on that um, edition this year, um, quite apart from the competition. But yeah, no, congratulations on them on uh, giving young beer writers a chance. And for those who haven't seen in print, can we uh, can we announce the uh, we the can announce the winner? We can't say too much. You, you'll need to uh, buy his buy the uh, copy um, when it comes out in August to read it. But Nathan Costello was the winner um, with a really cracking yarn about both a metaphorical beer journey where he's uh, going through his own discovery of beer and uh, also some of the places that he's been that have helped him make that discussion uh, or discovery. So, uh, yeah, Nathan Costello was a very well-deserving winner. Yeah, and look forward to um, to seeing it in print, and I'm sure everyone will uh, will appreciate his work. Uh, and I'm thinking we possibly haven't uh, read the last of his. Terrific. Well, mate, we've been... Uh, I, I, I won't say crapping on for uh, 12 minutes. We've been uh, talking amongst ourselves for, for, for 12 minutes, so it's probably time to introduce our first guest. Let's do that, shall we? And now we're joined by Jane Lewis, who has recently announced her intention to move on from Mountain Goat Brewery, and even more recently, just uh, told us about a little project that she's working on uh, with a friend of hers. Jane has been in the brewing industry for about seven years, coming from the dark side of winemaking, and she's had stints at some of the big names in Australian brewing, including Little Creatures, Matilda Bay Garage, and most recently at Mountain Goat Brewery. Jane Lewis, welcome to Radio Brews News. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being had. Um, now, Jane, the, the first question I need to ask is, um, what's a nice girl like you doing in, a, in an industry like this? <laughs> um, I can't see any reason why not to be in the industry, I guess. I mean, it's, uh, it's been extremely supportive of me and, uh, and I've had some yeah, really great experiences. Everyone's been particularly warm and, and inviting and, and, yeah, it's a wonderful industry to be in. Terrific. Now, you've recently uh, moved on from Mountain Goat. Uh, and you're starting your own brewery. Tell us a little bit about the new project. Uh, so starting out with uh, Danielle Allen, who is a friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other about 13 years. Um, and, yeah, I guess I've been thinking about starting my own thing for 
I guess forever almost and um, we probably started talking about this about a year ago and uh, have just decided to, to go out on our own and, and give it a shot. So Danielle um, has always been interested in beer as well and um, she's more on the sales and marketing side of things and it just seemed like a, a good match. So yeah, fingers crossed we're going give to it, give it a shot. So what's Danielle's background? So she... Um, at university, she studied uh, commerce um, and did in marketing and PR. And um, so she's been working in, she did some work in the liquor business for about five years. And then she's been in uh, Woolworths as a, uh, in product development for about the last five years. Uh, and she was just looking for a change, I guess. Um, and yeah, has a belief in brewing and, and in the industry. And uh, yeah, she was pretty keen to to see if we could, to, to get this up and up and running, I guess. Have you got a um, brewery lined up or you're going to be doing some contracting for the time being? Okay, so yeah, we're focusing on contracting to start off with. Um, I guess we see it as a stepping stone. Um, and yeah, we're definitely looking to get our own brewery up and going, hopefully next year um, or planning for next year. And um, yeah, so we're just looking at it as a, as a stepping stone at the moment. And Jane, are you looking at, um, at, at purely keg stuff or we can we see some bottled stuff as well planning to do both bottle and kegs yes and uh, can you tell us where your contract brewing no doubt you were very interested in our uh, recent discussion on the topic absolutely yeah very interested in the uh, the recent show you guys did uh i we're looking around at the options at the moment so um pretty much on the road this week talking to the different contract brewers and um yeah seeing what we can find out i'm obviously really keen to be actively involved in the process um, as someone who, you know, is a brewer. So I'm, I'm obviously looking for someone who is happy for me to be around and to be involved in uh, all the steps along the way. So that's a big, um, uh, that's going to be a big plus for us. And now, Jane, it's, it's come up on this uh, podcast before that uh, no parent has a favourite child. Now, you've worked at Little Creatures, you've worked at uh, Matilda Bay and Mountain Goat. Coming into Two Birds Brewing, do you have a? Are you planning on modelling? Like, is there one that you think it will reflect your time at more, or is it kind of a, a combination of all three? It's probably yeah, an amalgamation of all of them, I guess. Um, yeah, obviously, all of them are successful businesses, and and I can see positives in in having worked for um, for each of them. Uh, and so, I guess it's probably yeah, going to be a bit of a rolling it all into one and and um yeah very excited about the prospect i guess uh but if you did have to pick a favorite jane which one would it be <laughs> <laughs> don't make me do that he, I love, he won't I let love you get away with anything <laughs> i'll tell you what give it give us give us uh three different answers and then we'll uh we'll put out three different podcasts so that uh, <laughs> and we'll just make sure that the uh the guys from the other breweries only get to hear the one that mentions them <laughs> choose your own adventure style <laughs> That's it. So um, the, the, the name is Two Birds. It's obviously uh, a, a bit of a play on the fact that there are two ladies involved. Um, now, is, is there anything extraordinary uh, having a woman involved in brewing these days? Have you found that there are any barriers or that there are any particular challenges or it's just something that, that is? As far as I'm concerned, it's just something that is. Uh, so I haven't personally come across any, any barriers. Um, for us, the name was just... We wanted to reference the fact that um, the company was owned and run by two females um, and it kind of was just a bit fun and a bit cheeky and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, But no, look, I, I haven't certainly come across any barriers. Um, yeah, if anything, I think that the, the industry or the brewing industry and the and beer industry in general is 
really uh, aching to have females and, and really keen to, to get us involved because we're definitely still in a mi minority. But, um, yeah, I think the industry is, uh, is really keen to, to get females more involved. But there are a lot of women involved in brewing these days. It's, it's, it's actually not all of that... Uh, you know, it's not that all that interesting. I'm just thinking uh, Anya at Matilda Bay is uh, somebody who's, who's coming ahead and uh, just trying to think, I'm having a mental blank. Kiralee's obviously leading a charge for women. Um, yep, and Sam, Na Sam Force. Nadia Sam McGrath. Force, Nadia McGrath. Yep. yep, absolutely. Oh, look, definitely. I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're definitely around the place and, and um, making you know great beers and, and doing fantastic things within the industry. But I guess if you stand in a, if you do go to a brewing event and you standing in a room full of, um, you know, a hundred brewers, then you're still definitely going to be a smaller proportion. But um, it's not a barrier to entry by any stretch of the imagination. And I think what, what the, the females are doing out there is uh, is wonderful. What's the funniest reaction or question you've had uh, from, from a punter when uh, you, you've said, I'm a brewer? <laughs> uh, it's usually marriage proposals is, uh, <laughs> is, the, <laughs> is where it goes. So uh, there's often references to Kevin Bloody Wilson songs and, uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, do you know the Kevin, Kevin Bloody Wilson song I'm talking about? Yep. Uh, leading on from that, Jane, uh, have you noticed, and probably I guess your time at Mountain Goat, because there's that uh, you know, access or relationship that you can have with, with the public on Wednesday nights and Friday nights, have you noticed that there are, are more women on the other side of the beer equation, as in the, the average punters, uh, more of them getting involved, more of them coming along, more of them uh, appreciating the beers? Definitely, yeah, there was always a lot more females, um, you know, a lot of females at those particular events and, and a lot of the, you know, external beer events that we used to go to. So there's definitely a lot of females involved and, and the... I think the crowd would roughly have been 50-50 at the at Mountain Goat on those open nights. So it's definitely a lot of females out there drinking and enjoying good beer. And I think the you know the choices are are excellent um, for for people to get uh, into these kind of things. I guess. And what what's the key to getting um, women into beer? I guess if you look at the perception, um, beer is seen very much as a blokey drink, um, which is something that I can't quite work out why, because throughout history it's been very closely associated with women um, who have historically been been the brewers um, but at some point beer became very blokey and advertising these days I mean you can't say that advertising has led that charge but advertising has certainly reinforced the stereotype where uh, beer drinkers are lovable larrikins and you know women you know are, are best kept in the background um, how can we re reach out to get more women drinking beer it's an excellent question and I guess that's uh always been the ongoing question is how do we reach out to women and um, I guess it's about finding a sort of gateways into into beer I mean I speak to people all the time who are like I've had one beer I know I don't like it but um, obviously as we all know there's so many different uh, different types of beer out there and so many different styles that that there is generally something that that someone is going to like along the way but um, whether or not I mean I know personally I thought I hated beer until I had my first ale and it was just lagers that I personally wasn't a fan of at the time um, but then as soon as I discovered that there were different flavors available it just kind of opened up a you know opened up a world of possibilities and and so I think it's just getting past that initial um, I don't know if it's inertia that just that you know trying to find something that people might like and then and then kind of leading them on through that so and it seems to be something that's very much driven by the craft brewers because, you know, whenever the, 
I, I guess big brewers rely on the fattest part of the market. Um, they you know the their beers. Um, there's no real way to say it. they they tend to be fairly bland um, because that's where the fattest part of the market um, goes for. They want to sell a lot of beer. And when they try and target the 50% of the population that don't drink their beer now, they tend to make a bit of a um, balls up of it, I think. I'm thinking most recently of the Bittersweet Partnership and its Project Eve. Have you seen anything about that? That was the English project designed to get women drinking beer and they came up with all sorts of herbal tea-infused beers um, rather than IPA, for example. Right, that sounds terrible. No, I didn't, I didn't hear about that. But, um, and even, you know, you think about things locally like, um, you know, some of the, the fruit-infused things and, and I just don't think that's really what females are looking for and, and I don't think these beers experienced, you know, growth, which I guess shows that that's, that's the case. And, you know, you, you hear about things like um, women being interested in Hefeweizens and um, Lambics and, and that kind of stuff. But I guess... You know, women are interested in what they're interested in, and if you tell them what to be interested in, then you know more than likely they're going to tell you to go away. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and that's the thing. You know, I do a lot of uh, my beer tastings, and as does Pete, and I find that, you know, the the more you try and patronise um, women, the less likely they are to drink beer. But if you give them, uh, I mean, some of the beers that I've really had success with recently are fairly challenging ones, like um, we have uh, the Scotch Ale from Brew Boys, which is seeing double, and you pair that up with blue cheese, and uh, it, it can be fairly confronting at first, but once you've got the cheese match, it really finds a home um, with uh, a lot of the women who try it. And another one is, it's not available here anymore, but uh, Trois Pistoles from the Unibrew um, Brewery in Quebec, um, which is a Belgian dark ale, pair that up with uh, black chocolate um, or dark chocolate, and it works wonders. And uh, these are full-flavoured beers that certainly don't um, compromise on their flavour, but they, they do find a niche with, uh, with women and suddenly show them that beer isn't the, the fairly generic lagers that they've uh, come to drink. I, I, that's more of a statement than a question. So I guess my question is, um, are you going to target your beers uh, with two birds at that sort of market or it's just going to be beers that you're trying to find a home for um, in the marketplace generally? Yeah, I guess we're trying to find a home for them. So, you know, we're looking to make approachable beers that are drinkable and balanced has always been one of my catchphrases. And, um, you know, I'd still like to do something that's that's innovative and, and flavourful, but but not specifically marking, marketing at females. Um, I think one of the joys is that I think females have less preconceptions about what things could be. Once you can get them over the hump of, you know, all these beers aren't, aren't lagers and, and there are these many options out there, I think they've got less preconceived about preconceived ideas about what things should be and so you know they can be more interested in things like the bigger flavor beers the scotch ales and um the belgians and whatever else and they can be yeah really uh, especially i think the food and beer pairings um i think that's a really strong and important area um in that you know it's not just a, a something to get drunk on which i guess maybe has always been the the idea with beer is that you just drink a lot of it, and it's just an, it's just there to get drunk. It's actually a, effectively almost like a lifestyle choice. It uh, has all these flavour options and does go particularly well with food. So I think that's an area that, um, yeah, definitely looking at. One of our maxims on the show is drink for flavour and not for effect. Um, so it's nice to hear you say that. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. 
And I think, too, it, uh, you, you touched on something there, Jane, that's very relevant. My experience over the last few years is that the food and beer matching side of things um, <coughs> has taken great leaps forward. And I think my experience is that the, the females tend to embrace that whole concept and take it on board much better. And I think it's because they don't come into it with any preconceived ideas that beer is, you know something to to drink six of with your mates while you're watching the footy or uh it's you know a precursor to then going out and and getting loaded up on bourbon and cokes or whatever it might be women seem to have a uh a, yeah a, just a they, they seem to come to it more um more welcomingly i yep definitely think that's the case so jane you, you made a point a little bit uh, uh earlier in the interview um that balance is a big thing for you. What's your view about where craft beer is going? Because it's one of the criticisms that tends to be levelled at craft brewing is that some brewers go too far into the extremities and balance isn't isn't the key. Do you think that's a fair criticism? Um, look, I think there's a there's a place in the industry for for all of these companies, and and I think that um, and for all of these beers as well. I mean, there's always going to be a place for for extreme beers because um, there will always be pe- people who will purchase them. Um, look, I mean, from a personal point of view, I like, you know, I like to try these things, um, but I will have one and I will move on to something else um, simply because I don't find them to be all that sessionable. Um, I guess, you know, I'm looking to, to make beers that I that I think are, that I could have a few of and, and that I would like to kind of settle on um so to me balance is a really important thing um in any beer and and even in extreme beers i do think they need to to have a level of balance there um just to i guess keep things in check um you know the malt needs to sit with the hops needs to sit with whatever other crazy ingredients it is that you've that you've put in i think that you know there are nuances there and i think it all needs to to sing it all needs to just sit sit together um when your time at at Mountain Goat, are you um, now that you're not there anymore? Are you allowed to tell us, perhaps, you know, some of the beers that you were personally responsible for and feel most proud of? And can we expect to see those sort of beers coming out of Two Birds? Um, I'm proud of everything that we did at Mountain Goat. I'm, uh, I think they were making fantastic beers. I think we were making fantastic beers. Uh, and I guess most recently, I'm in the Rapunzel, um, the Belgian that's just come out of the oak barrels. That was, um, I guess, my little project, which sat in oak barrels for about 15 months, partly because I was lazy, but partly because it was tasting you pretty good. You forgot about them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was fantastic. And and then I was also playing around with the, the oaky porter um, that just came out, which was Mountain Goat's first ever porter, um, and just playing around with some oak chips in there as well. So, I mean, I guess I came from a winemaking background and, and I used a lot of that influence and and in the beers excuse me in the beers that i made um and yeah they were they were really good and really interesting to to play around with and uh but yeah fantastic beers coming out of there and and obviously they're going to go to from strength to strength now we mentioned in introing you and you just said it again that you started life as a winemaker Um, what made you see the light um look it just the industry never really just never really got it, got all that involved in it, I guess. Um, I was looking to move back to the city, which is actually how I got back. That's how I got to work at, at Little Creatures. Uh, it was just a job in the paper. I applied um, kind of on a on a whim and uh, and they gave me the job and I really never looked back. Um, so, and I just adore the, the brewing industry. I always kind of thought I'd do 
um, brewing and then go back into winemaking. But um, the thoughts never really crossed my mind since then. I've, uh, I think the, the, the industry is just fantastic and, and I just really enjoy the, the production side of things, the making beer and, and, um, and then, yeah, also getting out, out and about and chatting to everybody about it. So. Well, that's the thing about winemaking. It must be incredibly boring. You know, it's two, two months at vintage time when things are fairly crazy and then it's just sitting around watching oak barrels for the uh, next 10 months, isn't it? Uh, yeah, a lot of racking oak barrels, a lot of cleaning barrels, a lot of refilling barrels. Um, so yeah, look, it, it definitely has its moments in terms of, uh, yeah, there's a bit of repeatability going on there. It's not, it's not the most exciting thing outside of that. And, and for three months, you, you know, you can work some pretty, pretty long, pretty intense hours and without much sleep. So, um, whereas brewing is just busy all year round, really. What can the brewing industry learn from the wine industry though? Obviously, uh, you know, there were figures released recently where wine has been going ahead at incredible rates and beer is declining. Um, is, is there anything that the brewing industry can learn from the wine industry in marketing itself? Um, I guess, I mean, probably the strongest thing is that they've got a very strong industry um, group who is leading them forward, I guess, that, that sort of speaks on behalf of the industry. And that possibly could be something that, that we could use in order to give us a, a bit of a united front. Um, and I think that would be quite helpful. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the marketing side of things is, is definitely what, what the brewing industry could use to, to drive us forward, I guess. And without preempting anything, but you've, you've told us that Danielle has a marketing background and she's going to kind of look after the marketing side of things. Can you, uh, can you assure the listeners here that uh, wherever your beer is brewed, that Danielle will ensure that, um, that uh, integrity in advertising will be prominent <laughs> on your labels? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're not intending to hide behind anything. We've been been very open about that already, even though you know we, we're not that far down the path. So we, we're definitely uh, intending to be open about what it is that we're doing and where we're doing it and, and how we're doing it. Um, and yeah, I obviously want to be involved every step along the way. So I, um, you know, I like to think of it as myself brewing it with these other people as well. So with whichever contract brewers we end up uh, running with. Which leads us into an area that we haven't covered, and that's uh, where will two birds be located? What's what's the dream? Where uh, where where would you hope? So you you, you do your contract uh, model to start off with to establish the the brand, and I guess build up a, a bit of a war chest, and then you've uh, you wake up one morning and you've got enough uh, capital to say now we can invest in a brewery. You open the uh, the map of Australia, and you point to where? Definitely Melbourne. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see it being being here. I still think that there's plenty of room to to grow within the industry here, and just get a nice uh, a nice little, I guess, profusion of breweries here. So Melbourne for me. And well, we've opened up the uh, contract brewing can of worms. Do you think um, one one of the issues that it really has boiled down to from the discussions that we've had is that you know contract brewing is a legitimate and important way to get um, you know breweries that maybe don't have access to huge capital injections at the start um, up and running. What, what's your view about breweries that um, have as an important part of their uh, marketing a sense of location, um, but maybe no real connection to that location apart from the name? Uh, look, I, I'm, I personally, I mean, I've always seen contract brewing as not dissimilar to contract winemaking. I guess I've, I've never really had a, a massive issue with it. I, I've kind of come from from that particular background, and and so, I mean, I, 
I don't want people to feel like they're being um, misled. Um, and I guess I, I obviously know a lot more about these things because I'm in the industry, so I understand where all these things are coming from. But um, I don't know. I've never I've never seen it as being, you know, possibly the the evil side that a lot of other people see it as. I don't know anyone saying it's uh, evil. I guess that's the thing. But it's, um, you know, the the point about uh, does location matters. I know Ben Krause, for example, is very passionate that, you know, he's Beechworth Brewery um, or Bridge Road Brewers Beechworth um, and that he makes his beer in Beechworth. Um, you know, I think back to the, I believe it's now defunct Snowy Mountains label, um, which named all of its uh, beers after Snowy Mountains um, locations. It had a P.O. box in Jindabyne, but had no connection with that with the area apart from that and yet when I was editing, editing another magazine I'd always get emails from people going oh look I'm heading up to Jindabyne can you tell me where the Snowy Mountains Brewery is or people that had come back from Jindabyne furious that there was no such thing as a uh, Snowy Mountains Brewery um, do you think that matters and, and that has the ability to damage con- the, the perception of contract brewing? Oh absolutely yeah look I think um, that sort of thing does, does do some damage um, and I think it also damages the possibly the industry to a certain extent as well um, in that I guess it makes a lot of people question where everything is made but I think everyone needs to to leverage off their own um, strong points obviously you know Ben does make his beer in in Beechworth and and that's fantastic and he's doing a great job and he's got a an excellent following um, so I guess everyone yeah needs to focus on their own on their their particular positives and, and what it is that they have to offer and their point of difference I guess um, and yeah it's just a shame to someone like that, that, that breweries like that may, may bring the, um, you know, may not be being particularly honest about the whole thing. When, when will we start to see Two Birds beers hitting the, uh, hitting the local taps? Well, hopefully we're looking at a spring release. So that's, that is the aim. No uh, heads ups about styles or anything like that? <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to wait and see about that one. <laughs> Jane, oh, ha- hardly anybody listens to this stuff, so it's it's just going to really between be between the three of us. You can you can, t- you can tell us now what the first what the first beer is going to be and what it's going to be called. Uh, just whisper in my ear. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you'll uh, all in good time, gentlemen. All in good time. <laughs> uh, th- this is just so you can uh, secure another uh, spot on on the Radio Brews News podcast. You just want to come on again? Absolutely, I do. Any chance to hang out with you guys? <laughs> Jane, it's always a delight to speak to you, and uh, you know, thank you very much for uh, you know all of the beers you've made uh, with Mountain Goat, and uh, we look forward to trying two birds when uh, when they're available. Fantastic! Thank you very much for your time. I, actually, one thing I do need to ask is because yep. they're being uh, contract brewed, does that mean we will be able to get them in Queensland? Uh, uh, Queensland wasn't on the list, but uh, I'm sure as as we go, I guess we're focusing on uh, Victoria and New South Wales to start off with. But uh, hopefully, we'll end up in Queensland before too long. If there's if there's demand, then uh, then we will send it. I'm sure. We need to irrigate this beer desert somehow. Jane Lewis, <laughs> lovely talking to you. Uh, all, all the best with two birds, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jane. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. And that was Jane Lewis from the soon-to-be Two Birds Brewing Company. Uh, and I think, Matt, uh, listening to Jane, I think the craft beer scene or the good beer scene in this country is uh, in pretty good hands. Oh, undoubtedly. You know, if, if you wanted a um, 
poster person for beer, um, it would be Jane. She's done great things at uh, Mountain Goat. Um, she's you know always involved in anything that's that, that's going on, and uh, you know she certain. I sometimes worry that beer has a um, bit of a uh, stereotype as being you know old, fat, bald uh, guys. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Jane is hello a, to all uh, the beardy weirdies out there. <laughs> Jane is you know uh, fresh face, just always got a smile on her face, um, and you know is most importantly making fantastic beer. So no, it was great to catch up with her and wish her you know, all the best for the two birds. Yeah, for sure. Now we pot- better uh, we better ride this pony home. Do you think? We, I, I think we should. Uh, you know, we want to sort of keep these things under three hours, um, and and also keep our G rating, but. Uh, Mate, what have you got? Uh, what are you working on to for the next couple of shows? Uh, very busy uh, couple of shows coming up. We've got uh, Brendan Varis from Feral Brewing Company over in Western Australia, uh, and we'll be looking at um, ways to expand his brewery to uh, fit all the trophies and awards that he's won over the last couple of months. Yes, well, Giving we're recording some suggestions this. there. As I think I said at the start, uh, we're recording this on the 21st of June. Actually, I don't think I said at the start. The 21st of June um, is the recording date for this, and it's just been announced that Brendan's picked up the uh, West, West Australia's best beer for Feral Hop Hog, um, as Holgate and Holgate uh, won for Hoppinator. But uh, you know, Brendan certainly is winning a lot of awards these days, isn't he? He is, and uh, and more to come. Um... Good luck to him. And uh, speaking of more to come, we've also teeing up, or trying, I should say, to tee up uh, an interesting discussion, we hope, regarding tap contracts. Um, and we've uh, it's fair to say that we've got one side of the uh, debate teed up, rearing and ready to go, uh, without giving too much away or preempting anything. The other side, we're, we're finding it a little bit difficult to, to find an hour in their calendar. Uh, I, don't, to... I actually don't think it's uh, just busy um, from the discussions I've had. You know, it's. You don't think? Look, I get, as you would, um, you would get dozens of media releases boasting about, you know, uh, unimportant crap um, yep. from large breweries. New, you know, from, new from products new... are plenty and. Yep, yep. I- innovation, which is generally like a new label on their bottle or something like that. Um, and yet you approach them about an issue um, that admittedly is very emotional um, and pe- passions do tend to run high on, um, such as tap contracts. But it's certainly an argument, um, it, it's a discussion that has two very strong sides. Yet uh, they throw their hands up and sort of say, well, what's the issue? What is there to discuss? Um, you know, as if. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, when for us, these are exactly the sorts of uh, issues that we want to discuss, and we wanted to talk more about issues like tap contracts and less about, you know, the the little bit of foil that you've put on your bottle. Um, but anyway, hopefully, we'll be able to get somebody to uh, actually stand up and talk about tap contracts. I, I should I should just uh, say, you know, we're talking about in tap contracts, the uh, situation where brewers. Um, you know, enter into commercial agreements with hotels to pour a certain amount of their beer, um, and they take many forms um, and you know have varying levels. But you know, I, I think a lot of beer drinkers, when they walk in and see five or six different beer brands on the uh, taps in their local hotel, um, don't realise that you know eight or nine of those taps come from the one brewery or the the, the one brewer um and you know 
we just wanted to talk about some of the business imperatives behind uh, behind that, um, and also possibly some of the cost to the brewing industry. You know whether you know it, it does limit consumer yep. choice. And, and also from the other side uh, of the um, of the debate, I think there's probably a few myths and a few misunderstandings about uh, about what tap contracts are and and how they can uh, you know benefit a venue as well as benefiting the uh, the beer drinker and the and the the person who supplies the the contract in the first place and I I'm looking forward hopefully to to getting somebody on who can uh, perhaps just dispel some of those myths and uh, clear the waters a little bit. Oh, exactly. And you know, I, I think that's the, the the biggest problem is that um, there are a lot of myths. There's a lot of anecdotes in inverted commas um, that are unverified and. Uh, you know, unless the brewers that are big enough to actually have tap contracts are willing to come on and talk about what they are and you know how they're used, um, some of those myths will uh, continue unabated. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep plugging away and uh, waiting to see. You know, as ever, That's it's it. a discussion that we want to have in good faith, um, and we'll wait and see. But uh, Prof, mate, it's always good to catch up with you. Always good to uh, you know talk beer and. Uh, talk brewing with you and uh, hopefully uh, you know, look forward to having a chat when uh, we speak to Brendan. Yeah, Vars. exactly. And uh, thanks to everybody for their feedback. Thanks to everybody who's out there listening. Uh, I think we better sign off now. I'll sign off by saying uh, something along the lines of uh, try to think of beer in the same way that we think of beer. And that is drink it responsibly, but don't take it too seriously. We, we, we do need to have a bit of a sign off. So for this week, I will say uh, what I said to Jane, uh, drink for flavour and not for effect. Cue that dinky umpa music. Good on you, Pete. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Strike up the Oh, band. there it is. Beautiful. See you, man.